Welcome, everybody, to Podcasts and Players, and it's been a while. Uh, it's been busy. I've been meaning to get back into this. I've been working on a lot of different stuff lately, uh, but we're, 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 starting to, we're starting to pick up here um, on, on the productivity end of things. And uh, I'm very pleased to have someone who I've been meaning to have on for a while now. Uh, you might know them from YouTube. Uh, they are known for drawing stuff. They are known for playing the viola. And uh, they have a lot of cool videos on their YouTube channel. Please give it up for Tori Draw Stuff. <laughs> Hello. That is me. Hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Um, Thank you for having I me on kinda, the podcast. Yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, it's, uh, I kind of cut you off. Like, we were having a conversation just before we started, <laughs> and I sort of like was like, well, let's save it for the podcast. So <laughs> let's pick up right there. You said that you were working on a project yes. recently. So outside of um, YouTube and animation and art, which I love very, very much, um, I, I currently, I'm not going to disclose what conservatory, but I attend conservatory for viola performance. Um, and recently there was like a bit of time where we were kind of like, instead of having like a super long, like university winter break, they kind of like gave us a bit of time to do an individual project. Most people were like, I'm going to learn this instrument or I'm going to do this ensemble. And I went, okay, I'm going to give myself a month to record a Delta and Viola cover EP and publish it. So I did that and I haven't promoted it that much on the art channel just because I got busy recently. Um, but I released an EP. <laughs> it's released? It is. I didn't talk about it because I was kind of scared too. <laughs> but I, I yeah. okay. I'm like, I, my jaw dropped when you said a Deltarune EP. I'm like, that's a lot of songs in oh, yeah. a short time. It, it was uh, basically, originally I like got the idea for the project in like November because we had to like declare our projects in December or something like that. So I got someone to sponsor it, um, like faculty wise. So I, I got the okay to actually do this. So I went off campus for a month um, and I... You know, I had a really cool lesson with one guy who I didn't know knew as much about recording as he did. His name is Nathan Schramm. Um, in case there's anybody who knows the tiny ass world of viola, because <laughs> it is such a small world. But like, if somebody knows, like they know. Um, Yo, Nathan yeah. Schramm. Yeah, I yeah. love Nathan Schramm. <laughs> Holy his shit! Actually, <laughs> yeah. No, fun thing is that um, for some might be actually more relevant to the podcast is his quartet was. They played for the Red Dead Redemption soundtrack, but they actually were mocapped into Red Dead Redemption. So oh. if you've played Red Dead Redemption, you probably have seen him in the game at some I don't know. I that's that's a weird fun that's fact. Cool. But yeah, I that's had I had this fact. lesson with this guy, and he gave me some really good pointers on the project. And then months later, I picked like four tracks and did full string layering, just like by ear, um, and also like some piano arrangements for help, and I just like I kind of hermited myself away and did that for a month <laughs> because the wow. whole goal of the project was like, you know, if I released it, then I succeeded. And if I didn't, I learned. Um, and yeah, I, I went through CD Baby as my distributor because there was a whole research process about that. Um, yep. And it's out. It's called Viola Rune. Uh, Adult Rune oh, Viola Cover EP. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> 
I'm really glad that you got to announce that here. Yeah, no, I, I didn't expect it to be the place to announce it, but like, I'm I'm kind of happy. Because <laughs> like, you do music, so people, you know, who are probably watching this podcast have an interest in music, and hey, we're both doing it. We're both doing music, so why the hell not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought I would be releasing music last oh. year. I went with like mm-hmm. DistroKid because I got like a yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. It was like, uh, oh, I got in for like $20 for the whole year. I was like, nice. oh, sweet. That means I can put whatever I want out. But then I realized all I wanted to do was make like cover songs to put mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And then I looked at like the price for that, like what I'd have to pay to the original artist. I'm like, that's so much money. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like the light, that that whole thing. I actually was going to go with DistroKid for a while. But then like the difference between DistroKid and CD Baby, which are like the two most accessible like you give them your stuff and you pay them and they put it out on streaming services. It's probably the most too well known uh, mm-hmm. streaming ser- or distributors out there. Uh, DistroKid handles it themselves, but you have to pay DistroKid. And also they charge like a monthly or a yearly thing. Um, yeah. But you can release as much as you want for like one thing. But CD Baby is you pay per release um, and you have to handle the distributing through a different website, which I did. And it was called like Easy Song, or not distributing through a different website. No, the licensing through a different website. My bad. Um, of course, they the world the of music publishing is <laughs> yeah. is marvelous and yeah. Complex. No, it is. It's a whole bunch of words that seem super scary that I was like terrified of, but now I'm like they're long words and they're not that bad. But uh, there was this website called Easy Song Licensing, which I thought was a scam. Cause it's called it does Easy sound Song like Licensing. A scam I like I like went on like also I went on like Reddit forums and I was like, is this a real thing? Because yeah. I feel like they're gonna take my money and run. Um, but no, apparently they aren't. Uh, I I paid for a digital download license and then. Long story short, I'm not gonna ever try to sound like uppity and throw jargon around because I hate that. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, that's I I went through them and it was just cheaper because this is like a one and done project. And I don't. Hopefully, I'll release stuff in the future. I just don't know when. So personally, I'm not because I'm you know doing schoolwork and friggin' classical music and contemporary music BS. Uh, I don't know how much I'm going to actually be releasing, so it was just better to go with. But both are both are solid. But yeah, also yeah. I mean, it's, it depends on... <laughs> if you're an independent music artist, kind of depends on what your... Yeah. What you need, what your needs are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily... Because like, Kid is by no means bad. It's just... Uh, you know, yeah. it just it isn't for everybody when there's might be a better alternative. Exactly. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, I, I kind of cut you off there, so you're good. But yeah, DistroKid is good if you're releasing a bunch of stuff, like frequently, it's cheaper. But if you're not doing it super frequently, CD Baby is cheaper. Um, they're both good. And it also, I somehow found the, um, the reason why I even got the okay on the project is because <laughs> in November, I went on a rabbit hole to figure out what company like holds the right to the Deltarune OST. Because Deltarune, as you, you may know, is not finished yet. It, it's only has two chapters out. And when I went to the website, it didn't say who the music publisher was. And I was like, oh, great. So uh, I have to kind of find it. So I went to like the 2016 Undertale Fanworks blog, which oh, happened wow. to have an email on it. And then I was like, I do not think I'm going to get a response. It's been how many years, <laughs> which I hate thinking about, but it's been like, oh my gosh. I I actually, Six yeah, years. I viscerally hate. I hate how, how old I feel been. when I say that. 
that. I've been, we've been, uh, my girlfriend and I, like, she never played Undertale. So what? we've been watching old, like, the old Steam Train run through with oh Ross gosh, and Barry. Yes. And seeing how old those videos are makes me really it upset. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. feel like it was that long ago, and yet it was oh very gosh. long ago. And then there was, like, that five-year anniversary orchestra concert i was like this is five years old <laughs> what <laughs> can you can we can yeah, we can we take a take back that on? now it's yeah. like the fact that it's tw- it feels it still feels like 2020 it does i <laughs> actually forgot at some point uh this like past month i was like sitting down and i forgot what year it was yeah <laughs> i it, think the uh, only reason why i haven't been in the exact same boat is because like 2020 to 2021 was um basically when i was auditioning for conservatory so i was just in like audition hell for like Mm. all of that time so now i'm like i am stable but also like where did time go this feels fake the world's not real this is (laughs) i think i think what sucks and i mean i kind of noticed this is that like as an ad when you're a kid like a lot Mm -hmm. of people say that's a relative time like oh you haven't lived that long so a little bit of time seems like forever but I would say it's actually like a memory thing. Yeah. Like when you're a kid, you don't really remember a lot of stuff. Like trying to remember stuff that happened when I was even like a teenager is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Remembering stuff that happened when I was 20 years old is super easy. So <laughs> like I could put myself back into where I was in like 2011 relatively easy and that feels weird because it was so long ago and yet I still remember it clearly. I think that's why it feels yeah. like time is passing faster. Oh my gosh. I, I, From my perspective, same exact thing. But it's like, because with college auditions, it was, you know, you're working on like four or five pieces for some people do it for like the summer before auditions. I was on all those works for like a year like a full year of just playing these five things over and over and over and practicing and practicing and recording and because covid was a thing auditions were not live they were all kinds of wacky it was like i had some on zoom which like sucked because <laughs> okay i have to represent how i am as a musician through a zoom call where the sounds distorted and you can watch back my tape <laughs> like yeah so there was that but like it felt like i was doing so much work but now it just feels like a blur. Yeah. Well, when you're super busy, especially because like you wake up, you're working and doing stuff and then you go to bed. And so it's like, how do you mark time? And yeah, but know? it was like it was for such a long time. Like I thought I would be able to recall everything so much clearer. But like, it's just like, whoa. For <laughs> our not musically inclined uh, listeners, people who like music, maybe, but aren't like musicians themselves or in that world. Can you explain uh, what conservatory is yes, for like, a classical? Absolutely. Uh, so, you know how college is college and you go there and you study like, OK, I want to do this for my living. I'm going to study English or I'm going to be a history major or something like that. Well, conservatory is a college primarily for musicians mainly of classical but there are also like schools of jazz um that also are under the label of conservatory it's basically just a fancy word that means you just go to music school um some places you have to take like your normal college classes at the campus nearby sometimes it's the same kind of campus but it's like for myself for example um i take one normal college class per semester that's required and then everything else is like 
just music classes and practicing in ensembles. And it, it's just like, it just drills you for being a musician. But then there's also like schools of music that aren't that. Um, it's, it's just basically saying like, oh, okay, so do you study music at a college with a school of music that's like a different department? Or do you go to a school specifically for it? They're both valid. Um, they all both all of them have different levels of like seriousness and all that jazz. But typically for a school of music or conservatory, uh, you have to audition to get in. So on top of like your normal college application process, you have to like all the essays, all your grades, all your stuff from high school aside, you have to audition and go through pre-screen rounds and learn your repertoire um so that makes sense it's a lot but yeah it makes sense yeah (laughs) if you if you were running a school like that like you need to make sure your students have a baseline of knowledge to Mm -hmm. build on if they don't even have like like for example um i am not a performer like i Mm -hmm. do not have the dexterity and the mental (laughs) skills to play piano or like neither on that one and i'm in piano class (laughs) (laughs) like but i mean i'm even i'm so bad at like you know i can't even play chopsticks like i'm really not good at at performing in the moment i think the best instrument i can play is ukulele because there's like five chords Mm -hmm. maybe six that you have to learn and then you just kind of combine them in different ways yeah once you kind of do that you're good but i never learned how to strum well i don't know how to Mm -hmm. do like finger picking melody type stuff like i'm not good at really any of that stuff um (laughs) However, composing. Is like, however, I'm a I'm a composer yeah. mostly. Yeah, so like that's like a different aspect of it where it's like I like to put stuff together. I can use my ear to kind of pick apart songs. Like yes. I understand concepts that musicians would understand, but like actually, I was going to ask you. Do you focus primarily on the performance aspect? Like they want you to read. Oh, here's some sheet music you've never seen before. Play it flawlessly, like that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of um. For, so what I'm doing, like, major, I am viola performance. So basically, like, I, I am primarily here for playing. However, um, they are super encouraging here of other projects and stuff like that. Like, the actual making of music is never like, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. You're a performer because that's like, that's not true. And also in yeah, conservatory. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, no. If they told you, OK, only do scales and you're never going to make anything ever. Like, what? Okay, so what's improv then? What's improvisatory music? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. am I breaking all the rules there? Um, but no, uh, so on, I mean, speak, I just realized I forgot to mention this. There are composition majors as well. Um, so the moment that you were like, I'm not a performer, but I'm a composer, I'm like, that is like, I don't want any, if there's a, any other composer like listening to this podcast, don't ever think of yourself as like lesser than a performer because you're still a musician. It's just different. And like, it's, like I respect it because as much as like I can do silly little delta rune arrangements for that thing and play it, um, coming up with a fully original piece that doesn't sound like stock music, I don't think I can do. <laughs> like I can do my music theory homework, but that's like one chord, five chord. Did you do an extra thing? Cool, your assignment's done. It's not actually like music. <laughs> it's it's a worksheet. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it can be kind of tough. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it, like I do have a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes, where I'm like, well, since uh, I can't really play an instrument, can I call myself a musician? But like, you can absolutely it's, it's, call yourself a musician, right? Yeah, like my brain knows that, but internally, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, the best way to like channel that in a positive sense is to just 
like it gives me a respect for musicians and performers rather because you're you are able to produce music on the fly i have to go into a thing and like set it up like i have to like find the right instrument sound fonts i have to uh you know build it from scratch which is i mean essentially like it is a more advanced and convenient version of just writing sheet music you know what i mean like yeah but also sheet music notation like i'm just gonna get this out of the way real quick because uh because technically, like, viola is a classical musical instrument, and some people are like, Western notation is the only way music exists. It absolutely is not the only way music exists. Like, inputting it into, like, MIDI or, like, oh my gosh, like, digital audio interface, all sorts of other things. It's just as valid. It's just a different way of thinking. Like, so, or even, like, guitar, like, lead sheets. Jazz lead sheets. Like, tabs like, tabs. And stuff. like I had to yeah. do my first ever assignment on campus. I was given a Van Halen guitar solo, and I had to notate it down from tabs into Western notation. And that, like, like broke my brain. But I think, I think it's important <laughs> to, like, for people to understand, like, the, the role of, like, sheet music and, and composition, bass clefs, treble clefs, quarter notes, all that stuff. Like, that is a consistent language mm-hmm. that you can learn to help you play in orchestral ensemble type stuff. Yeah. Um and it's and it's really helpful for keeping everyone on the same page. Everyone being like sort of understanding reading the same language. When you are an independent artist um or even in like a band, you kind of create your own language together. Exactly. Like you whatever works, you know, like I don't I don't know if Metallica could read sheet music, but I kind of get the sense that what they do is just they sort of jam out together and then they like <laughs> kind of note the, you know, the notes, I guess, like, yeah. oh, D, F, blah, blah, blah. This is a cool riff. And then they mm-hmm. piece together that stuff into songs very much haphazardly is what it feels like to me. I don't know if any of them yeah. are like classically trained. I don't, it feels I like typically when like a rock artist, because funnily enough, even as much as I've been like, fuel, 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 I actually do have an experience with uh, rock music. <laughs> I went to oh, yeah? rock string camp for two years. And that's rock like one of the weirdest. Camp? I basically went to camp rock. <laughs> like, but for violins and like cellos. Oh, so it was sort of like um, covering rock songs with classical instruments. Yeah, but then every so often, like they had like jazz violinists come in that would teach us how things work. Or like we learned how to do extended techniques like chopping and just like different styles of playing. Like one guy, I oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. But he's like known for creating like how guitar strumming is, but with a violin bow. Um, and he like taught Whoa. us how to do that. And like, that's like one technique I still don't have after all this time. Um, but like, yeah, no, I, I definitely don't think like because typically when like a rock artist, whether like it's like like modern rock or like classic rock or whatever, I most of the time if they're classically trained, people are like, oh, Elton John was classically trained because he was a pianist and like. You know, you don't need to be classically trained to make music, though. Right. Like, it can be. It well, can be absolutely yeah. great without being like, ah, oh, yes, this is a five-seven chord in A major. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, it is. It can be very elitist to assume yeah. that you need to use sheet music. It's more just for practicality's sake. Like, if you're gonna play in an orchestra, exactly. you kind of need to know that language. Like, if you're giving it to a up. section of twelve people, like. They got to all know how to play it the same. Yeah, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. And like the pros um, can do exactly that sort of thing that I mentioned earlier, where you can give them sheet music that they've never seen. And they, it's like reading, it's like reading out loud to them. Like they can, exactly. they are so in tune with their instrument that they can just play it as it is on the sheet, which mm-hmm. is why that's like a really cool, you know, <laughs> like that, that, that is like, if you, if your goal, I don't know about you, Tori, but if like someone's goal is to be a concert performer for whatever instrument that they're like dedicating themselves to, like that is sort of the pinnacle. You want to be that good if you're going to like yeah. play in an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like you have to be able to just like pick it up like that. Um, especially like because eventually um, I'm not going to like talk about mo- my, a whole bunch of information on this, just not to dox myself. Um, oh. <laughs> but <laughs> like orchestra definitely is like a very good end goal because the auditioning for it is like cutthroat for good ensembles and cutthroat isn't like you know you go through multiple rounds and everyone's playing the same excerpts and it's just like it's not a personal thing um mm-hmm. but you do just like they pick like the best of the best for a good ensemble and then you get yay health insurance <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. oh jeez i <laughs> ooh, insurance <laughs> oh my god but yeah like it's yeah it's it's very cool it's it's very intense but very very cool and uh i just realized there's been a bunch of tangents about music but like well no this is is the point you know people need to get to know the tory uh, Tory plays viola viola for the past six months Well, let's if if you want, we can we can switch gears a bit um yeah talking about your your youtube channel like how did that start oh my gosh yeah so youtube originally uh i had my channel like forever my youtube channel i think i think i made it in like this is before like the tory draws slip band had been on it but i've been using the same channel for like a whole bunch of stuff for since probably like sixth grade middle school and i made weekly speed paint videos forever um and like I know, like, obviously, like, YouTube is, like, you know, views or people are like, oh, the views, all the subs, all this stuff. For, like, five years, uh, or maybe not five years, maybe, like, four years, if I got 20 views on a video, that was, like, really good. Like, that was, like, my goal number that I, like, vividly remember being, like, 20 views, let's get to 20 views! (laughs) And then I'd, like, hit 20 views sometimes. Because... Looking back, I was a middle schooler recording off of a Kendall Fire tape to a lamp, um, traditional art speed paint videos edited in apps that I have on my phone, right. <laughs> like Kendall, because I wasn't an iPad kid. I was not an iPad baby, um, but I had a Kendall Fire in like middle school. So <laughs> that's what I did. And then like somewhere in high school, uh, probably like I think it was sophomore year. I started playing D&D like earlier that year with some people for the first time and I was really, really liking it. And at one point we had like a funny moment happen and I was trying to get used to digital art for the first time in my life. Like I just gotten a digital tablet and I was like, I want to do digital art. And like, I didn't know how tablets worked for like ever. Um, and then I was like, maybe if I make a video or something with digital art, then I'll like get better at it. And then I was like, wait, I have a funny D&D story and I have digital art. And this 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 really cool person named Dingo Doodles just uploaded their first ever video. 
oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then I went on like a rabbit hole, like Puffin Forest and Zbashu and Dingo and Joe Cat and like all like, you know, like, and then eventually found like Just Jackdaw and then eventually like, you know, other channels um, as well, like, you know, found the D&D animation circle that had started popping up. And then I was like, I'm going to try making a D&D story time. Uh, so that's why my first ever story time is not very good quality because <laughs> I was tiny and getting used to digital art for the first time. Um, but for like the first time ever, my video got more than 20 views and I was like, Hi. what? <laughs> yeah, I remember actually discovering your channel because like what I would do uh, back in like, um, was it 20, late 2018, maybe early 2019, like I might go on my phone on the YouTube app while I'm like in bed getting ready mm -hmm. to go to sleep. I'm like, you know, what? let's just find, let's look up D&D &D story and mm -hmm. let's just ignore all the people I already am familiar with and just see if I can find someone I don't recognize. And like, I discovered a lot of people that way. And yours mm -hmm. was one. I remember, I think you must have like privated this video or something, but <laughs> there was a video of you and a friend. And I think you were doing a speed paint and your friend, and you were at like 700 subscribers at this point, And uh, yeah. your, your friend was just like, yeah, we're going to get you to, you know, she's going to blow up, you know, this is going to take off, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, I think this that is... may have been like a, a 400 subscribers special because yeah. at the time I was like, oh my God, I've had like 20 subscribers forever. And now I'm at 400. What? And that was, that was my, my very good friend, Lauren, um, who I'm name dropping because I know she's going to watch this. <laughs> I love I love her to bits, but she she totally was like was that was definitely that was the vibe. And um then afterwards, uh because I actually hold on, I'm gonna pause I didn't know that's how you found my channel though. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I found a lot of people that way. And then for Inktober 2019, I tried to draw all the people that I had discovered who I were still like, making stuff. Oh my gosh, I remember that. That was so sweet. <laughs> When I saw I was on that, I was like, what the hell? I was like, this is so cool, but why? And like, it was awesome. Thank you, though. Yeah, um, no worries. Yeah. And it was like so, right after that that I decided to do the podcast because I was like, well, yeah, let's start oh talking gosh. to people. <laughs> also, like I saw your podcast be a thing for like forever. But I remember at one point you said just like, hey, shoot me a DM if you want to be on it. And then I was like, do do I, can I, do I get the, should I do that? And then I was like, you know, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll wait. And then when you DM'd me, I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so I don't have to be like two years late rolling up being like, knock, knock. So my channel's been dead for however many months. Like, you got a podcast? <laughs> but no, um, so I, I'm happy to be here because I have watched I watched a little bit of your podcast and it's very good vibes. Like I, I try yeah. to keep it that way. I, the vibes it, are so good. <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of tough. And it's funny, too, because we were talking about music uh, distribution. Podcast mm. distribution is actually very similar. Like I found yeah. that out recently that mm. um, you could go to like Spotify as a service called anchor.fm. And mm -hmm. they will take yeah. care of all that stuff for you. The problem with that is that you don't own rights to merchandise. They post oh. it out of their own account. So basically they're giving you a they're giving you a cut 
instead of you giving them a cut, oh, essentially. Yeah. So it's yeah. like you're kind of giving them ownership over your your stuff. That makes sense of why there's so many so many people that have like suddenly sprung up podcasts that are only on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And like, and it gets you. It can get you views if you're like mm-hmm. consistent. Like, it can be really good at getting viewership, but not good at like turning a profit. So like, people yeah. are going into it to be podcasters. It's not. You should do it yourself. It's a lot yeah. more work to do that, but you mm-hmm. can just essentially. Um, you get an RSS feed. So you basically you pay a, a some other service to just host it, and then they create mm. a feed like little like copied link thing and then you can just give that feed to all these other like distributors like apple Podcasts and stuff and then they approve or disapprove of your thing and so if they approve then it goes up if not then you just keep you know going to different places it's just it's a Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a hunt to find all of them (laughs) and give them the rss feed yeah yes oh my gosh yeah no podcasting is like a whole different can of worms like a while ago i recorded like it's not a real podcast um but with flying fox girl and two of our very good friends um i wanted to talk about that actually (laughs) oh it's me and cade oh (laughs) yeah i mean first of all i i also invited cade uh to be a guest because i figured look if i'm gonna have you on i have to have you we are like an accidental dynamic duo at this point (laughs) i i kind of want to know more about how that friendship got started i've been kind of curious for a while Oh my gosh, yeah. So, um, oh, I didn't know Kate was also going to be a person on the podcast. We've both been very busy, um, but that's that's very cool. I, I'm That makes me happy. But uh, yeah, so originally I found when my channel was blowing up after like the second video I uploaded was the, the Battle Royale video, which is the one that most people have seen. Um, looking back at it, you know, from where I was drawing wise... Uh, it was good. Looking back, not the best video quality. I will, I will die on that hill. Uh, but at the same time, like it's, it's a video that kind of blew up, and I wouldn't have found certain people without it. Um, around that time, I had like made a few other videos. I found Flying Fox Girls channel, and it was just I was looking kind of in the same way you were talking about earlier. I was looking for smaller D and D YouTubers because while my channel was still blowing up, I was like, I want to try to shout out some people in my community tab because people are actually paying attention to that right now. Like, why not? Um, so I think at one point I found Kate's channel and I was like, this is like really good quality content. Like, why the why why you need more you <laughs> why you need no more attention? More subs? Yeah, why, do, why, why no low number? Why no view? Why no sub? You need you need you need. Uh, so that's that's what I basically <laughs> was thinking. Um, and I watched like all her videos, and I was like, this is really cool stuff. So I sh- I think I shared it on my community tab and said something online like, please go check this out. And I have no idea how many people actually went through that community tab or not. Um, but I know that Cade saw that and then was like what because apparently kate had found my channel previously not through the battle royale video apparently the first video that kate found off my channel was the snail hunt i did with some friends for fun um which i'm that's like one of my favorite videos i've ever edited on my channel it is a stupid little video that i totally recorded on impulse with like i didn't even have like a good camera with me i had a random ipod touch that just happened to be in my bag and it had battery on it so i was like i'm gonna record with this we looked for snails. I put the most like stupid things in it as I could at the time. And okay, that was Kate's first impression of me was a snail hunt and D&D content. 
And I don't know why she started following me after that. But then, you know, after I chatted on her video, uh, apparently at the end of her next video, there was just randomly at the end of it, I'm watching through. I'm like, this is such a cute video. I love this. And then the end of it goes, also shout out to the Tori Draw stuff for shouting me out in her video. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> you put this in your, what? So like after that, I was like, okay, you, that's the first time that's ever happened in my life. Um, Apparently, we were both kind of just like fans of each other's content. And I joined Kay's Discord server, which I think is, I don't know if it's available to join right now or not. Because sometimes there's like, I did, some apparently at one point, the like link to it was like private or something. I'm not entirely sure on that. All I know is that I'm still in it and I'm not, I don't have the rights. I'm not a mod, <laughs> but I joined it. And, um, at the time, she had like just made it and there was a big community. Um, and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And then Cade was like, why you're here? And I'm like, I am. What am I doing here? <laughs> um, and then like I joined VC at one point and I talked to people and then people were like, you're Tori Draw stuff. And I'm like, that is certainly a thing. Um, I guess I'm that. And <laughs> somewhere along the lines, I got DM'd by somebody uh, who I, I will name drop as Kyle because... <laughs> for reasons um i got a random message from this guy named kyle and he was like hey uh we were gonna run a server DD game and you just joined the server and our last person just dropped out would you be interested and then i was like well uh the pandemic just started up sure and originally i think i said i was too busy but then like i didn't know how discord works so i deleted my message and sent a new one not knowing that like you totally can see when someone deletes a message <laughs> So I I resent that message. I joined a D and D game, and Cade was there. And since then, we've just been buds. Like, yeah. The rest is history. The rest is history. Um, so many, so many stupid jokes. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Because outside of like D and D content, like we've been buds online for like, well, I guess since the pandemic started. So two years now or something. Yeah, it's crazy yeah, to think of- about ironclad friendships were formed at the beginning of the pandemic yeah. i noticed oh my gosh <laughs> you dieter inc eldritch <laughs> cheeky um like that gang like the temper gang mm-hmm. i'm like oh my gosh like yeah it's a solid solid gang it's it's a lot of fun and like <laughs> it's interesting to i mean i've talked about it a little bit but like it's something that still blows my mind is making really close friends, even like a best friend and yes. being, and I'm like, I'm like 30. So that's <laughs> not normal. <laughs> typically that doesn't happen. You usually are only losing friends over time. You don't typically yeah. make new friends. So like that happening, it was like, wow, there's still hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Like I originally didn't think. Because, you know, Discord, you mentioned Discord and people are like, that doesn't have a good connotation to it because it's the internet. Um, But at the same time, like the happy family of like just the circles that have just like popped up for like certain groups of D&D animators. Like that's just you can't find that anywhere else. Like, bro, I don't know. Like, I think I think we are in a fortunate position, too, because like. The people that are sort of at the forefront, I suppose, are like the big, mm-hmm. the big ones. Uh, uh, Joe <laughs> Cat and Dingo and Z and Puppy, yeah. especially Dingo, are yes. all very like 
friendly and welcoming to yes like, oh my god D animators so a lot of people who got into animation and stuff because of them met them and were like wow they're actually like nice it's like yeah yeah <laughs> of like, course <laughs> oh my gosh it was i i did not like i was kind of in a similar boat when originally like i had first like talked to like dingo i was like what? Like, I didn't want to say, I don't want to ever say Starstruck, but I'm on a freaking podcast, so I'm going to say it. Like, when I first joined a call and Dingo was there, I was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, imposter syndrome too. to the max. Like, I'm like, Dingo makes, like, good content with, like, funny jokes and, like, good animation. <laughs> so why am I here? Yeah. It, but no, it, it, like, it seriously, she's so nice. And everyone that's, like, I've interacted with in the D&D animation community is so, so nice. <laughs> right. Like, it's In fact, oh it's gosh. it's so nice that when I hear, like, I, uh, I've been using TikTok more often, like, before TikTok. bed and stuff. I don't, yes. I don't actually, like, really put anything out there. I just sort of, like, scroll. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I get into, like, D&D talk... Uh, some yes. people will be like, yeah, well, there's a lot of drama in the D&D community right now. And I'm like, where is that? I'm not seeing I, it. <laughs> I'm like, that's not the D&D YouTube community. Because like, yeah, our is community is fine. Community. No, there's no drama, really. Um, so like, Yeah, no, there was some TikTok drama. Like, there, it's also really funny because I've seen the like the TikTok like D&D talk circle. And like, I like, I like the content. I don't know any of them. But it's really funny seeing that and then being like, so this is the TikTok circle. And I'm in the YouTube circle, which like content creators probably have less following on YouTube than TikTok just because of how TikTok is where it's like you upload, like you can just hit follow and keep scrolling and like that algorithm's just different than YouTube mm-hmm. or YouTube's trying to change it. And it's like, no, can I have long content back, please? Because <laughs> um, that's a whole thing. But like, I don't know. It's interesting to see because it's, it's like I'm happy with the the YouTube animation D&D stuff. Like there hasn't been much drama and anything that's happened is like it hasn't left like us it hasn't been like this is my call out post (laughs) watch this be like us eating our own words when in a month like i get canceled for something yes somebody gets outed for some bullshit if that's gonna suck if Um, this you can totally clip that if if for some reason i get canceled which like (laughs) just put like a take that clip with like really ominous music and a bunch of reverb and edit it (laughs) together black and white (laughs) directed by like robert like i'm forgetting obviously like i hope that they're like people are as good as they seem um yes i hope so too otherwise my heart's gonna hurt a little bit there was Um, that there was that thing i don't know if you heard about like Joe Cat was on his stream mm-hmm. and he also has already released videos talking about it. But I remember when yeah. he like before all this stuff came out about Arcadum, I think is their name. And mm-hmm. he was telling us in our community, like, yeah, I was on this guy's stream and I really didn't like the vibe. I didn't really care for him, but I can't really say anything because I don't want to start any drama. And then all this stuff came out oh. and he's like, all right, well, here's what happened. Ooh. I already didn't like the guy, but now it's even way worse than it could have been oh my god yeah he vibe checked that yeah he really yeah. did he really um, just went mm, this but, isn't this isn't so happy friendly is it hmm. yeah. let's <laughs> let's let's transition then from yes. from the drama stuff to the more fun Not me drinking tea while we're talking about drama i just realized that like subconsciously <sighs> have you been spilling the tea <laughs> i finished my cup of black tea right when i finished talking about it it's a little that's a little funny that's a, a it's funny. a good it's very poetic 
This is a little poetic, yeah. Um, let's <laughs> let's go into. Um, I mean, you've already told several stories on uh, your channel already. Uh, I have. Would you like to share uh, maybe a story that you might not get around to animating, but you oh like, oh talk my about? god, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'd love to tell a funny little story about D and D. Gosh, I have to think real quick. So recently, uh, one game that I've been playing in for since the pandemic started, this is the game that I play with Cade. Um, we've called it Midlands just because that's the name of like of the area the I, I it remember took place hearing on. this. Uh, yeah. That's the area, but it's not like <laughs> that is that is literally just like the name of the land. And we we tried kind of go with like a party name at some point. It didn't work. We, it never stuck. We did not like it. And then we were like, this is just the Midlands group now because we're lazy. Um, but yeah, there's that game. And the reason why I had name dropped uh, a guy named Kyle earlier is because he's the DM for that mm. game, which is why I was like, name drop. Calling him out. Bye, boy. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have to think of uh, like one moment in particular. Oh, I might make a video about this, but it, I think it's good for me to talk about it here. Sure. So <laughs> this was um, when, this was a while ago, like in real life. It was around the beginning of the campaign. We must have been like, I don't know, like 12 sessions in or something like that. We The party was already formed. It was like five of us. Um, and we were doing some sort of quest where we had to like, it was kind of like a fetch quest because we were getting through like three introductory quests before it was really like, Here's the open world, go. Um, it wasn't reality or anything, but we just like were taking a fetch quest as our first option. Um, and somewhere along the lines, like we we deliver like this this thing, and we're on our way back. And then the DM's like, "Hey guys, could you could you roll a, a funny little uh, d hundred to see see what happens? You know, just see what events happen in the night, mm -hmm. or like while we're taking a rest or something. I can't remember if it was night or day, but I just know that one of us rolled a percentile die and rolled a one. Oh." Um, and we were like, that's really funny. I wonder what could happen. And our DM was just like, oh no, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is going to be bad. <laughs> it's all good D&D stories start. Um, but we woke up, I think if it's, I have to like think back if I ever make a video on this, but long story short, like we, we've recovered from resting to realize that we are kidnapped on a cart and we're like, oh, that's, that's great. Um, and there was like these dragon people and kobolds driving this cart and somewhere along the lines, we're trying to like either break out or trying to talk like none of us know draconic at this point. Um, and I think, actually, no, I think one of us did and they basically like, Hey, you were trespassing on like our boss's yard. We were going to need to like turn you in. And then our one friend who does good draconic is just like, hey, guys, we're we're like kind of in, in a, like bad territory right now. Uh, we just were trespassing. And it's like, oh, splendid. So we're kidnapped on a cart and we end up not trying to break out or resist. We just kind of go with it because we just can't leave. Um, also, everything possible. a part of you out of game has yeah. got to be curious what's in the store. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We were also just like. You know, if we die, we die. Because at this point, we didn't really have it's any, like, listen, like, everyone, too I know, many attachments. I know that, like, our characters probably are getting the heebie-jeebies about this. But, like, we all saw that but, one like, on the D-100. Like, we got to see it through. what's going to happen? <laughs> we have to. Exactly. Um, so we go along. And we're brought to, like, this this cave. But it's not like a normal cave. It's like there's this mountain. And there's a cave in it. And we're like, oh. 
this is, I think we know what's going to happen. This isn't going to be good, but let's just, let's just see what happens. Uh, we get brought in by these silly little guard guys that are not actually silly little. I'm just calling them that. And uh, we're in an ancient red dragon's lair. And we're like, oh, not just like a normal red dragon. Like this is like an ancient red dragon. It's time we don't know this. We just see big red dragon and we're like, that's not good. Like, are we going to die? I think we're going to die, guys. I think, you know, kill for trespassing. You know, it's been a good campaign. We go up, though. <laughs> so you were in a dungeon um, with a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. We were in a dungeon with a dragon, basically. But it wasn't really a dr- dr- it wasn't a dungeon. It was more of like this guy's house. We were kind of just in his house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh he's sitting there he's like oh are you guys are you guys from the deus guild which was the guild we had like joined in the beginning of the game and we're like yeah technically um why do you ask and then he's like oh my gosh this is so great i asked for deus guild members to come help me out with some chores this is so great you guys are just coming here for the fetch quest i sent out right we're like like liars or no we were like yes like liars oh yeah (laughs) internally we're like no my bad um we were like yes like a liar because we were going to die and uh then he's like oh that's great uh you guys are just gonna like give me your guys' names real quick uh just so i have evidence in case you betray me or anything it's no big deal or anything and we're like what um we give this guy our names and <laughs> I know Orion specifically, who Ori is my my silly little cleric character in that game. There's a whole bunch of backstory stuff with her. Uh, she gave her name and then he was like, that's not your name, honey. And she's like, what? So that led on to a whole nother can of worms. Oof. But all of our names got engraved on like this wall he had. And he's like, I just know, f- you know, if you mess up, I have your name and I can track your location. And we're like, that's. That's splendid, honestly, to hear about. Like, that's making my day right now. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, we go on these little fetch quests, and we ended up doing chores for an ancient red dragon. And his name was, like, Infanaro. And he could, apparently, uh, that's a stat, there's, like, the creature was taken from, like, 3.5 or something. Um, The stats are, like, crazy stupid, so I'm really glad we didn't just, like, fight him. And he's not a good person. Like, he's an ancient red dragon, but he didn't, like, kill us on sight because he was like, oh, you're doing my chores. This is great. Clear out the attic and clear out the basement. And we're like, oh, okay, that can't be that hard, Uh, except the attic was infiltrated with uh, dire pigeons, (laughs) which were, like, these giant pigeons. Um, We had to... They were trying to attack us. We didn't want to attack them. So, but we, we had to, we had to deal with them. Uh, that was, we, it actually wasn't as graphic though, because it was kind of on a cliff and, um, with wild magic, they accidentally got turned into potted plants. So wasn't as intense as it could have been. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. And then the basement, there was like holes in this like dirt cave area. And we're like, what the? Heck, like, what the heck is this? I think at one point we found, like, a dead... Or we found a manticore. We didn't know it was dead. Turns out it was dead. The real thing we were getting out of the basement was, like, this... I don't remember the name of the creature, but it was, like, a dwarven, like, little, like, monster that they kept that we kept calling it a Pomeranian, even though it has, like, razor-sharp teeth and burrows through holes and is, like, a fluffy, like, creature. Um, it kept trying to bite chunks out of her legs and hiding in the holes in the basement. We we eventually, um... <laughs> I think we kept joking about punting it. So we, we dealt with the... 
we dealt with this like monster Pomeranian that was trying to hurt us, even though it wasn't a dog. Did you did you um, actually kill it or did yeah. you just like we had to because it kept attacking us. To knock it out. And it was doing like a lot of it. damage. <laughs> Yeah, no, we I, we couldn't because it was like we tr- I think the first thing we did try to do is like try to tame it. And then it like I think it did like 46 and we're like level three. I mean, yeah, I mean, that that is that's so, a lot. I think I think if I was playing a character with the mind of taming it, that would just like steal my resolve. Like we have to tame this thing. It's so oh, cool. absolutely. <laughs> so like deadly. if the party had met it now and now that we have like. Kate's character now has like 20,000 pets and then we uh, also have a druid in our party now we would have absolutely tamed right. it um, but back then we were like this thing's going to kill us also the climate of stupid. fear around this like dragon probably yeah. didn't help yeah and eventually um, we do these chores and he's like okay I have one last task for you and we're like oh great what the heck can this be and he's like entertain me I'm bored like I'm just really bored can you do something just a silly little goofy thing for me and we're like, I don't how we're panicking. We're like, how the hell do we entertain a ancient red dragon? This thing has lived, lived forever and seen everything. Um, and also fun little tidbit I forgot to mention that we found out about later. Apparently, it's the ty- child of a Tiamat in this universe. Oh, um, so, so it's like the prime red. So bad. Essentially. Yeah. Wow. Bad boy can fuck us up. Um, <laughs> bad, bad boy can mess our party up so fast. Um, can mess everything up. The whole world, actually, if he just had motivation. Um, but he just didn't. He was like, ah, I'm bored. Um, so he entertained me. So... For some reason, we decided to take it back to where we lived in the campaign, which is like, there's an adventuring guild in the main city. Um, that's where the Deus Guild is and based. And I, they have I've these, got like, my hand on my face right now. Like, why? Yeah, yeah, why? no. Um, <laughs> so, so, right. Um, there's, but the thing is, is there's this like, I don't want to say it's dorms, but basically the adventurers like stay in like the equivalent of like, your full party stays in like a dorm kind of thing but it's like a big one so there's like a bunch of rooms a kitchen all the stuff it's, it's really cute because we actually got to like play sims later on in the campaign with our dnd characters it was kind of really fun um but we decided to take it back home and he like shapeshifted into a prison and just walked on in and our boss like immediately like my message us and was like what the hell are you doing like why 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 are you taking it here this is so horrible and we're like It'll be fine. We just needed to entertain it. It'll be fine. And uh, we ended up trying to play Truth or Dare. Mm-hmm. And um, it worked. It worked for a little bit. We also had an NPC like roommate character <laughs> who didn't know that this was happening. Um, so that was a fun little thing. But uh, Felicity, Cade's character, right? This is probably the main reason why I wanted. I went on this whole tangent about oh, the story. Goody. <laughs> Cade's character decided to start a little thing called Book Club. Uh, Kate's character is a water genasi paladin named Felicity. Uh, and Felicity, just out of nowhere, when we went to go do Truth or Dare, was like, I'm going to I'm going to go to book club. And we're like, what? OK, sure. Go to book club. Uh, book club is code word for a party on the ship that she has. <laughs> um, so they're they're partying their their minds off. Um, we're awkwardly stuck in a dorm playing Truth or Dare with this red dragon. For some reason, Felicity invited the NPC roommate to go to book club. Just because she thought it'd be funny, you know, not thinking about the dragon thing at all. But eventually, I think through like random messages and people getting bored and or not not people in game, like worrying about this ancient red dragon getting bored. Somehow, somehow, some way, red dragon ended up a book club and it weren't it went great because they actually were entertained. 
because Felicity knew how to throw a good party. And then book clubs ended up becoming a party tradition. Dragon ended up going home after that and later became a reoccurring uh, NPC that we're like terrified to interact with that every so often we do work for. Yeah, I mean, at that point. Oh, also, he's kind of spying on our group as in. He gave Felicity like a necklace with a little orb oh. on it that he's like, eh, I could watch through this whenever I want, but not always, just kind of when I feel like he's it. Keeping, he's, he's keeping the equivalent under of a TV. His claw. This is what he's doing. Yeah, he has the equivalent of a little TV that he can just like switch on and like watch what we're doing when he's bored. I mean, yeah, you bluffed your way into success there. Like that's. We failed successfully, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you lived. You, you, I assume he paid you, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, you, we did get paid. We got paid a good amount, and then like later on, we we did like an extra quest for later on, and also got paid. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I, I love. No. <laughs> I love when dragons are actually used in Dungeons and Dragons. A lot of times they're referred yeah. to, or they're literally just like fight it, kill it, move on. Having an NPC that's mm-hmm. a dragon, especially an evil one, is kind of nice. Yeah. Like even though at first we thought he was like kind of chill even though he was evil later on when we interacted with him like a second time and we at that point we had a dragonborn uh, druid in our party who's now there uh and we realized how crappily he was treating that character and now we're like oh wait he is a bad person oh <laughs> so it's it's fun to see it's good to see an npc that's like reoccurring even though they're not the best but like still well played yeah i i, I oh. appreciate that because like as a player, I haven't actually encountered a lot of dragons in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And like when I have the couple times that I have like in one game, it was like, oh, there was a like a disguised, I think, silver dragon that was like mm. a wizard helping us out. And I'm like, that was pretty cool, except that like he got killed really quick. And then um, he got <laughs> yeah. killed helping us fight a black dragon that then we got oh. to fight, but only when it was at half health. And I was like, uh, no, I don't want to find it at full health. I wanted to have the full experience here. <laughs> and then, which is like, I mean, that's just me being whiny. Like, it's still, it was a very good storytelling uh, moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I fought, like, wormlings and dragon adjacent yeah. things. Like, there was a dragon turtle once. There was. Yeah. Dragon turtle. Uh, drakes and um, wyverns, but mm-hmm. very few dragons. So, like, when I had an opportunity one time to run a one shot, I was like, I, let's just do Ooh. a dungeon with a dragon. Let's fucking do it. Yes. But I was like, I don't want them to know. I don't want my players to know that they're going to fight a dragon. I want that to be a surprise. So, mm-hmm. what I ended up making was in this world of this one shot, there are four elemental temples, you know, one one of mm-hmm. each. And the first, they each, each one has like a, a compound name. Uh, the first word of the name is a phase of the moon, essentially. Mm-hmm. So like, um, you know how there's like a, there's half moon and full moon, new moon. And then there's also like a gibbon and crescent moon. Yeah. Um. So like, the the temple they were going to was the Gibbon Flare Temple, um, and it's like this. It's not mm-hmm. the it's it's a little clunky and inelegant, but I, it was a one shot. I didn't really 
didn't really care. Or I mainly um, laughed because I heard or like giggled because I heard Gibbon and I thought of the monkey. Yeah, I'm that's so the sorry. problem that's with unrelated. that. It's also I'm so a sorry. monkey. I didn't um, know that it was also a monkey until like you just mentioning it though. So <laughs> you learn something new every day. <laughs> no worries. Uh, but like what I did was I created a custom volcano dungeon. It was like Mount Plume. It was inside a lake of lava, essentially this volcano, like a very steep and, like, the only way to get there is either via, like, the air, which the player characters didn't have access to, mm-hmm. um, or they could go on this, like, little path, this trail that goes on top, or they could Ooh. take a secret passage underneath the Lake of Lava. Uh. And so they they figured out from the quest giver that there's a secret passage. So um, they have to work their way and clear out all the elementals in this uh, place because it was like a monk's order. Like they were elemental monks, right? And they got mm-hmm. like wiped out and only a few of them were able to escape. Like one of the elders and then like a bunch of the, uh, you know, students, essentially the the like the not very good at fighting. Uh, what do you call it? Apprentices or yeah. acolytes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to escape because they were kind of like too you know green behind the ears to actually like defend the temple mm-hmm. against these uh elementals but essentially what the guy said was oh there uh the the elder the actual elder before me was essentially fighting a uh a genie or an ifrit Ooh. right so mm-hmm. like the fight like literally a, a dude made a fire element you know from yeah. that plane shows up summons a bunch of elementals basically he's, ransacking the temple and killing everybody um mm-hmm. and he's like i was able i was instructed to evacuate the young ones and i don't know what happened i would go back but i mean assuming the worst i won't be enough to stop them i need help so the adventurers mm-hmm. go through this um secret passage they go from the bottom level and up it's like six levels like vertically and in the center is the caldera you know like the inner tube of it and there's like every map you can kind of see another sort of you're you're going up the tube and like there's it was very cool and i'm like this is going to be really cool because once they get to the top um they meet like there's all all sorts of like fire adjacent creatures they meet like there's Mm -hmm. methods like magma methods uh Mm -hmm. magmins which are from the monster <laughs> manual. Um, there are, uh, there's a special uh, creature that actually just Jackdaw created uh, called Ooh. the Slagund, which is uh, like a, a griffin fire thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I put one of those in. It was like the, uh, basically the pet of the temple. <laughs> that is um, so good. And then there was like salamanders, which are um, from the plane of fire and everything. As they go up, they they do meet like an oracle, a, a half dragon, like a gold half dragon who basically Ooh. just sort of lives there sometimes. And uh, mm-hmm. she had been, quote unquote, imprisoned in her temple by the Ifrit. But she revealed like, mm. I could leave at any time. I was sort of just waiting for some people to come <laughs> along to see what would happen. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. really trapped here, uh, but if you need a place to rest, you can. <laughs> he doesn't come in here. He doesn't give a shit about me. So you can rest here. So it was like a little waypoint for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, essentially they get to the top and they find out that the quest giver was lying to them. The oh. Ifrit is actually a prince from the plane of fire named Hazim and Hazim has been trapped in one of those bottles, you know, genie in a bottle type situation yeah. for thousands of years. Uh, 
Torbald, the monk that found him, that guy who like ev- evacuated with everybody, he mm-hmm. found the bottle, summoned Hazim from it, and wished for him to destroy the elder so that he could take his place out of oh. jealousy. He wanted, It was a power grab, right? He's like, ooh, this is my chance. Well, Hazim was like, oh, sure, I'll kill that guy, and then I'll kill him too, because fuck him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because he can. He could do that if he wants. Yeah. Um, and, like, was going to just, you know... Kill the elder, then kill Torbald, and then fuck off to the plane of fire. But the problem was his his actual armor, the Ifrit armor, which is also in the um, Dungeon Master's Guide, mm-hmm. uh, was locked away in an adamantine chest that's been magically <sighs> enchanted and sealed at the top mm. of the volcano's, like, caldera, like the opening, right? Yeah. And so he's been it, – it is so magically enchanted that he himself – even with his power of wish, cannot open it. It needs its key. And he's had the <laughs> elementals searching the temple for the key. And he would search himself, except, and he was trying to tell the party this when they reached him, that there is a red dragon that has had her eye on this place. Now that it's been cleared out of monks, she wants this to be her lair. So she's been showing up, doing drive-by, like, fire bl- breath blasts. And the Ifrit's been... You know, the Ifrit is made of fire, so it's immune to the fire breath. So they're basically like it's a wash every time. Like they can't really as long as the Ifrit's there, this dragon, whose name was Lydiax, can't actually take the the mm. layer. So mm-hmm. he's been able to defend it, but he's like, look, all I want is my armor, then I'll I'll be gone. And but he wasn't he didn't actually tell the players like that the dragon was around. He was saying, look, if you found the key, which they did and open the chest, I will take what's mine. That's my birthright. I will plane shift away and then all the elementals will be gone. I'll be out of your hair, which is true. He would actually have done that. They yeah, cooperated. all the elementals would be gone. They wanted to fight. So they they fought him and he did. He softened them up a little bit. They were really strong. Though. I was surprised with how strong they were. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was going to plane shift away. Uh, but before he did, he called out in a booming voice. Oh, Lydiax, you may have your lair. And they were like, Lydiax, who's that? And then they hear oh, in the distance, like this dragon roar. And they were able to actually defeat Hazim. They killed him before he could plane shift away. Oh, dang. And then they had an adult red dragon perched down like, finally, like, oh, shit. So she's like, oh, there's a few people here that I need to clear out still. That's all that's left. I could do that. So she beat the shit out of them. It was so fun to play an adult red dragon at full health against this tired party as they like went through this whole fire temple to get to the top. Um and even still, even like knocking out several of the players, they still managed to beat her. Oh, my gosh. And it was like the perfect like ending. Like they throughout all that were able to best the dragon. So they defeated an, uh, an Ifrit, a fucking noble from the planet of fire. <laughs> they <laughs> defeated an adult red dragon. Not an ancient. Right. But still like mm-hmm. that's that's still hard. <laughs> and then I think they were all like level eight, too. So like that's pretty hard. Oh, for my level God. Eight yeah. Characters. Mm hmm. And then uh, um, they found out about Torbold's treachery and um, mm-hmm. this like tiefling, this red uh, like tiefling, you know, fire resistance, still in the yeah. theme of fire. She was mm-hmm. like the sort of only like sort of lieutenant, I guess, ranked monk that survived. Um, mm-hmm. She basically gets to take control 
over the temple with Torvald now like imprisoned in dwarf prison um, Mm because they're in like the mountains. So it's like a dwarf kingdom where this temple's located. And uh, Mm -hmm. Meza, then the tiefling can be like taught how to become an actual master by the Oracle, like the gold dragon or gold half dragon person that's just chilling out in the Oracle's Ah! tower. It's now going to teach her. So, like, new leadership, a new age for this temple. And, hey, a big-ass dragon that was plaguing the region is also taken care of. So, yeah. Yeah. I was I was really proud oh of this one shot. It was, like, a lot of fun, and it felt fulfilling because it was – I tried to make it – I tried to put enough puzzles in there to, to be interesting, different types of enemies, but still keep it themed fire, quote-unquote, theme. Yes. Um, oh, my gosh. And uh, I felt like – I wanted to share that because you were talking about a red dragon. I'm like, yeah, that's the only red dragon I think I've ever encountered was one I made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're, I feel like I feel like your story was a lot more engaging than mine. I, <laughs> so well, I was like, ah. The, well, the thing is, though, like I have a, a, a folder of art assets I pulled up for the story. Oh so gosh, I'm looking yes. at it like, oh, uh, that was their name. Right. Oh, cool. And I'm like, I'll, I'll send you some of the art or something later so you can yes, check it oh out. Oh, my but, gosh. That was, was like, awesome, though. yeah, and and it, oh, by the way, I said it was a one shot. I lied. That was like six sessions. Uh, yeah, I'd like the one shot turned four shot, six shot. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think I told that story before on on my channel in some episodes some time ago. But like, I, I mean, was hey. telling it. Uh, what's that? I, I just said, hey, like, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think my context too was like I. Uh, this is one of one of those times where you promise a uh, like I think I promised like a two or three shot actually so mm-hmm. half the length and it ended up being twice of what I <laughs> wanted it to be but it was still mm. contained and like there was an end goal get to the top of the volcano like so it was mm. always in sight what to do it was never like a mystery where they needed to go next it didn't turn into yeah. a campaign it was still a enclosed adventure that kind of went long um. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, oh yeah, my gosh. I always wanted to do something like that. I was really glad I got to. Heck yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know um, I f- the f- one of the few times I DM'd, I had the experience of one shot, turn two shot, turn three shot. Um, but also like we, we basically tried playing uh, D&D on like a trip that was not ideal for playing D&D. Like we played it in between breaks of stuff that we had going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we ended up just finishing the end of the game at someone's house after the whole trip was done. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that was, that was fun. I, I will always remember that. It was like a, like a 1920s, like clue murder mystery kind of um, one shot. I don't remember all the exact plot details cause it was a while ago, but I just remember people seemed to have a lot of fun and I got to pretend to be a lot of, people because i got to make up some characters that were like simple but like effective for that kind of thing because it's like diversions and puzzles and then like oops some one of them's actually evil but you don't know which one yet till like end of end of three shot combat i guess (laughs) right yeah Yeah, i really uh there's an art to it i think making a one shot that's like engaging yeah or or even not just a one shot because that's a bit limiting but like mm-hmm. a, an enclosed adventure, you know, that's only a few sessions yeah. long. Exactly. Like people that can successfully run a one shot and like have it feel like contained, like wrapped up in a bow, content, happy. That's just like a whole nother level, level of skill, which is like people who DM or forever DMs, which I hate. I don't like using that term, but like <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, like respect. Like I 
if, if you couldn't tell, I like playing D&D more than running it. Um, but at the same time, like the person who makes the whole thing is like, that's the person that makes the whole game worthwhile. And when someone can like properly make a one shot and like, I feel happy or I feel like I had a blast at the end of it. Like that's what makes it worth it. Like yeah. there's, there's one, one shot I'm thinking of like right now that happened recently with, um, Oh my gosh, Kurt Crab and a few other folks. That was just I, like I saw. It was a oh my gosh. I, I didn't yeah. see it. I saw it on because I had your channel pulled up for like mm. reference, and I saw that there was like oh who was in this? Okay, uh, it was Kurt Crab DM'd and and oh oh I know like all these people. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was like it was like a whole gang. It was like Dieter, Fallen Monk, uh, Kurt Crab, and uh, oh my gosh, Blaine and Simple, and it was. It was way too much fun compared to what I thought. Like, I originally went and I was like, okay, like, I, I want to just play D&D with some folks I haven't before and these people seem nice. And then by the end of it, I was like, this was really fun. We were just like small crime dudes. <laughs> That's yeah. just how that went. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, it sounds similar. You can uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, but it sounds similar to um, a certain Florida themed game that we played in. You know, it's... It's very similar to the Florida theme, except um, imagine if the tallest person was like, oh, I think he was five foot exactly. Everyone else was like shorter. <laughs> <laughs> imagine smaller Florida men. Then that's basically what we were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting you said that because um, this is really cool. I uh, I played in a Star Wars 5e oh. game. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. This- yeah, that was like a lot of fun, you know, like that lasted a little bit. But the the DM for this was Puffin Forest. Yes, I vaguely saw that online before. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I was I was Obliax, the uh, the littlest of them all, the uh, the Babu <laughs> freak of the group. And yes. I was so excited that he decided to to like tell that story. I was like, oh, sweet, because they like two people decided to be the um the, the bunny folk. I forgot what they were called. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so they're small creatures. And then um, another player wanted to be someone from uh, the planet of General Akbar or Admiral Akbar, like the Mon Calamari, mm-hmm. but yeah. like a little octopus person that lives oh. there. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> so I looked at the races available and there was all like the smallest size was small. So like, you know, typical. But then I was like, wait a minute. No, no, no. There's one that's smaller. <laughs> it's tiny size. It's Anzalin. That means I'm the size of like, you know, like a like a like a like a oh, what do they call it? An amiibo or something, or maybe a little bit bigger <laughs> than that, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh what if gosh. I was a really powerful force user, like more powerful than Yoda, but that tiny? How cool would that be? And I'm oh like, you gosh. know what? Let's also be evil. Let's be like a little tyrant. This would be fun. Let's be a small tyrant, man. Absolutely. So when we found out that everyone was playing a small or smaller sized creature, we were like, oh, it's small pr- supremacy. Like we're going to. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Have, yeah. It's like basically anytime we found someone like, hey, what? How tall are they? <laughs> if they were above four feet, we generally They're didn't done. trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> Our ship ended up taking on, like, we had a bunch of Ewoks. We had um, uh, these, like, lava people from Mustafar that were, like, little mm-hmm. lizard uh, creatures. They had to live in the engine room because it was warmer than the rest of the, the ship. Yeah. Um, it was, like, 
uh, it was so cool to just play with that. And then, like, you know, Ben had his story that he wanted to tell. And so we were, like, doing that, too. But at the same time, underlying all of the, like, the big plot stuff, we were just like, hold on, how tall are they? Okay, we're going to help them. Absolutely. We're going to go out of our way because. Okay, yeah, we're going to help them. Oh, they're tall. <laughs> uh, no rights. Absolutely. You know, disrespect. Like, you, you're you on thin ice. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that was so much fun. So, like, I totally feel the playing a, a party of small people is so much with, fun. Like, playing smaller characters that are, like, impractically small. It's just fun. Like, you can, I don't know. Like, there's there's not really much different besides just, like, the vibe of playing, like, a normally, like, tall, medium height character versus just, like, a small little gremlin. It's, but, like... It's similar in the joy of playing a large person, I think. Just having an extreme of, yeah. size discrepancy is super fun. Yeah, it's, like, it's, like, inconvenient, but funny, and also just, like, you get to just, I don't know, like... It's just neat. There's also a lot of advantages to being small. There are like, a lot of advantages. Like people don't really, I mean, it's people who like to play big characters. Like, first of all, of course, of course, it's fun to be seven feet tall and like <laughs> tower over the big bad guy who was like tall at six, five or whatever, but is looking up at you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. of course, that feels great. And also mm -hmm. being able to, like, carry anything the group needs you to carry and being sort of the pack mule or or exactly, like the, yeah. the muscle. But consider how fun it is to ride another party member. Yes. Or, or just like hell having a mount that's like more manageable <laughs> yeah. with their size, you know, because like if you're small size, your mount can be medium, which exactly. is just the size of any other person. So like mm -hmm. you could be a, a gnome riding a dog. Yeah, I was thinking dog and I didn't say it out loud, but I, I like that we were both on the same wavelength of just like you can have a dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's your mount. And uh, yes. like it works. <laughs> you can charge into battle on your dog. Um, it, there's, I mean, and besides like mechanical stuff like that, it's just fun being short and then also being powerful. Like that's yes. a cool it is very juxtaposition. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Or even like, um, oh my gosh, the, in that one shot I played not a Kenku, a flightless Aarakocra, Aarakocra, whatever, the bird people, um, just cause I thought that'd be a little funny. And also cause I had heard there's, there was a TikTok audio that was like, um, you just triggered my fight or flight. And I'm a flightless bird. And it just oh, I've and that's, seen that, yeah. that gave me an idea when making a character. I was like, what if they're just like a flightless bird? But they're three foot tall, and being a rogue that's three foot tall is very fun because I can just hide all over the place. Just and then just like yeah. pop out and be a small and, bird and a big hat. Right. And because <laughs> uh you are a dex-based thing. Exactly. And you're using finesse with your weapons and stuff, you're never going to need to worry about like, oh, I'm too small to wield this heavy weapon. Why would you need that? You're a rogue. You're good. <laughs> Use exactly. a dagger if you must, you know? Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Being too tiny to use a... Oh, I never thought about that till just now. The whole like, the like mechanics of like, how intense is this heavy weapon? Can you hold it? Um. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you couldn't tell, I haven't played a character that's had to deal with that yet, or it's been, like, homebrewed, so it's been okay. So, <laughs> yeah, oh my it's, gosh. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun, and especially, like, I think, I don't know what character I'm going to play next in, like, whatever game I end up playing, and who knows when that'll be, but I've been looking at Halfling and Gnome and 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 Goldbold and, and Goblin too, and just thinking like I should play something like small again because yeah. 
I, I like to play humans a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That bonus feat. Oh, it's just too good to pass I, every up. Every time sometimes. I've seen that, though, I've always just been like, mm, but what if I did this instead? Because there's so many times where, like, I've seen a more opportune, like, stat choice in D&D <laughs> and just been a little bit stupid and been like, but, but pretty colored tiefling or hee hee ASMR or I don't, I don't know, like. Like, I, I need to play a variant human at some point. Because every time I've been like, I can do this. I'm like, but what if? <laughs> and it's like, like, oh my god, there was even... There was at one point my friend who was, like, thinking about doing a one-shot. I was like, oh, what if I just had this, like, character be kind of, like, I don't know, like, horror-themed or something. And then I, like, looked at it and I was like, Dampier's a thing. Hmm. What if I just, instead of adding spice, what if I just changed the recipe? Like, you know, very, very human is extremely valid. Um, I'm just yeah. not smart in my character building. <laughs> well, well, I mean, if even from a non-mechanical standpoint, like, I think a lot of people, so, so something I've come to understand and accept is that some people just like to play weird races that don't look like people. That's, That's totally valid and yeah. cool. I get it. Like, I know a lot of people who just like to play tabaxis. Yeah. That's like every character they play is a tabaxi <laughs> of some kind, you know? Um, or, you know, people who just like more monstrous looking things. Furbulge, uh, you know, a Kenku or a, an Aarakocra or some sort of like animal looking thing, right? Like, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. um, I like playing humans because to me, even though... It seems boring to a lot of folks who like those more interesting races. To me, a human is a blank slate that could be anything you want. A human can look true. like anything, you know. Mm -hmm. I guess with like, for example, elves. It yeah. is it is not necessarily ironclad that this is the case, but most people understand that elves are generally thin, tall, like beardless yeah. especially yeah. like like Hairless, the males don't lanky yeah. like graceful and only with like, a lot of pointy features generally yeah. like a lot of like pointy chins and cheekbones and stuff like that mm -hmm. like i mean now does that mean every elf has to subscribe to that aesthetic not no no of course not but like that is sort of a generally understood kind of uh um idea about elves and then the same could be said for like dwarves where it's like yeah you think yeah. they're just scottish <laughs> most people think dwarves are just like or they have really a scottish accent squat style not uh, anything scots. it's scottish yeah. people <laughs> squat scots squat yeah. scots yeah. um they're like okay small beard red hair and i don't know like there's those assumptions but with like human you can do whatever right and right yeah and like so I mean, and that's really what it comes down to for me is like I, I can make a human that looks like Conan the Barbarian, mm -hmm. right? Who's built like a brick shit house and <laughs> is just like, you know, Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger from the 80s looking. And I could have the same race and it be like this frail, uh, like, like female, like sorceress who mm -hmm. does fire magic but can't really do anything else, you know, um, and like it has very low strength. Or mm -hmm. it could be like an old man who was a shoe cobbler and for some reason he is now an adventurer, right? Like, yeah. 
all that stuff, like there's such a wild disparity between aesthetics with humans because they could be anything. Exactly, to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, it's like, well, okay, so I don't get dark vision, but like someone's gonna have dark vision. I don't need I don't need to have it. You know what I mean? Like it's okay <laughs> oh, yeah. that I don't have dark vision. That is um that's kind of what our party like in the Midlands game was in the beginning. Nobody had dark vision except for like me. Because I, I was playing an ASMR just conveniently, and at that time, like, everyone was just like, ah, another person's gonna have dark vision. And it was, it just, like, I was so tempted to just not do ASMR for a little bit. So, it would have been really funny if none of us did, though. I mean, hey, like, that makes things a little bit more scary when you're in the dark. It like, makes that's... things more scary, yeah. Like, I'm tempted to just play one that doesn't have dark vision, just because, or just a character in general that doesn't have it. Um, but it's every single time I've been to build a character, it's like, oh, okay. So, so I can just either like have this spell or it's a racial ability. Oh, okay, cool. I'm just going to like do that. And then like, why I should make things harder for myself. Why? Yeah. I mean, but also like a lot of thing, uh, a lot of times people misplay dark vision too. Um, yeah, there's also that. Oh my gosh. Or people that are like, I have dark vision so I can see everything. Um, and then there's sometimes where, like, the DM's purposely, like, there's magical darkness. People are like, that's not a thing! I, I do and, attribute yeah. that to, like, DM's not knowing all the different, like, environmental, I guess, effects. Like, mm-hmm. for example, cover a lot of times isn't used. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. obscured, like, something lightly obscured versus heavily obscured. There's only, like, two versions of obscured. There's not, like another yeah. version so it's not like that much to remember but a lot of dms just don't really implement that and so yes. when people are like how do i make my combats more exciting it's like well how come everybody's like fighting in a very like open area without any elevation or or like environmental things mm-hmm. you know like that's what makes like a sort of combat more exciting i would say yeah it makes um, it more exciting and then also like one thing that i hate that fact that like it's it seems strange to do it but one thing that has made combat more interesting is like involving talking in it every so often yeah like like just like talking to another player or something like it well not like having a full-blown conversation obviously because it's like six seconds as you turn but like there's sometimes people are like we're entering combat and we just can't say anything to each other for the next like hour or two it's like no like yeah well talk yeah Talking should, like, you should be role-playing while you do the combat. Like, that... Yeah. And it's especially not like the game as, flips. Like, it's still the same game. Right. Especially like, as a DM, too. Like, you should mm-hmm. be having... If, if it's an intelligent enemy, they should be saying something or, or doing something that gives them more personality than just, like, all right, uh, what's your AC again? 15? Yeah, that'll hit. Uh, yeah. And, like, you know, because, like, then oh you're just going gosh. through the motions at that point. Mm-hmm. Also, adding stakes to a combat that's not just defeat the enemy right like oh my god absolutely when they put a time constraint on it because something's gonna happen in a couple turns that makes it so much more stressful and interesting oh i did Uh, that i I did that too it is so good recently yeah or when there's a time constraint but like you don't know it like the dm secretly has a timer set and then all of a sudden it's like oh like that that's been a thing that's been used before. It's not as effectively as in like you have this many turns because that one's like directly stress. Um, but like there's been a few times where like at the beginning of a session, our DM has set a timer and like, you know, kept like adjusted differently for when combat's a thing. But when that timer goes off, it's just like, oh, this happens. And then you're like, what? 
Like, yeah, yeah. There's a world-ending travesty happening right now. <laughs> well, and, like, we could have, like, we're plotting and figuring out how to fix it now, but, like, it's set to go off. Like, what? Right, like, yeah. And, and and I think it's important, too, if you're a dungeon master, you kind of have a toolkit here. Like, let's say there's a timer on something happening. If the thing, if the consequences of this thing are going to be very, very bad or like they're going to affect like not just the party, but like everybody around, like you need to forecast it somehow. Right. And if it's like really bad, it might not be a bad thing to give them a turn timer so that they could understand how much time they have left. Or or at the very least, like you could give them if it's not super obvious, give them a check they can make to then give them that information. If they get high enough, like you think it could be within this amount of turns essentially um so mm-hmm. like it's still because then it's still scary because it's like they can't waste time because like yeah it might be in six turns but it might be in four turns if it's four to six mm-hmm. so it's like you kind of have to play as if it's going to happen in four turns exactly it's this extra stakes it just it just makes the game more more interesting i i did it's- something recently actually for that um where there was a, an enemy encounter and the stakes were like this enemy didn't really care about the party. Like they didn't want to defeat the party, but they were doing some shit to like innocent people. And mm. one person in particular was like a commoner. So, you know, commoners in the book have like four hit points. Yeah. Um, they're very, very squishy. Um, mm. And this commoner in particular had more, but it didn't matter because this thing had been draining their maximum hit points over time. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So it was at like the commoner was at zero. But for me, just because you're at zero, like with your maximum down, like I like I'm running a different kind of like homebrew rules where if you're at zero but not dying, then you are technically staggered. Um, so mm. there was some magical bumbo jumbo this commoner was unconscious but stable however if you know their constitution isn't so great so if like they go down by one more hit point but beneath the zero <laughs> they're just done like they they're can't do it yeah um, <laughs> hey, you're done what the <laughs> cleric did was they cast aid on the commoner <gasps> oh my god i need to use that spell more oh yeah which you know yeah. it's very niche because you're like why does it matter to put like five extra hit points on your maximum like why wouldn't you just do temporary hit points like a false life thing? but like this is exactly what this commoner needed because by casting eight on them they suddenly had five hit points that they didn't have so when yeah. they were fighting the enemy that was like now trying to drain them each round they had a timer baked in they knew how many hit points mm-hmm. this person had so they knew exactly how many turns it was going to take before this person was going to mm-hmm. die uh, because yes. every turn they were draining one hit point. So, like, they needed to finish this thing off within that, you know. So, like, sometimes there are ways you can bake it into the thing without it feeling like yeah. you're giving them too much. It's more like, hey, shit's going to go down if you don't handle this somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not like you're giving them the hope and the opportunity to get it done. And then you're, like, secretly, like, they'll never be able to do it. It's like you're giving them a chance and you know it's going to happen if they don't do it. But you also know it's going to happen if they do do it. Like... 
I, I just think that's fun. Like when you can tell that the DM's not like secretly being like, this is how I get my players. They're going to lose no matter what they do. And then I, I feel oh, like yeah. I just like made their characters feel bad. Like, yeah, no. you, you don't want to be an antagonist in like, Absolutely real not. life. You want to present like a challenge. So, yes. so like in this scenario, like I didn't really tell them what the nature of this like ritual was like. Mm-hmm. So one of the characters is like a doctor, like literally like a healer with a healer feet. And I combined it with the other like uh, the medic feet, essentially. So they kind of get mm-hmm. all that stuff in one feet. And. Mm-hmm. They're also clerics. They go up to try and figure out what's wrong with this commoner. Well, I know that they do not have any magic strong enough to cure them of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I had given them a scroll of a spell that could have helped them, but then they used it up. <laughs> so uh, beforehand on something else. So they didn't have access to that. So I didn't want my oh, healer character to feel useless. And I'm like, it's a really good thing that they decided to be a healer because they have a spell prepared that while it cannot just win the day, it can buy them time. And I wanted them to feel like they had something that could actually help. And so that's what Aid did, which was really Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love I love uniquely using spells like that. It just it makes combat more worthwhile when you're able to, like, use that one niche spell like, there's so many good cleric spells oh, that yeah. I just oh. haven't touched, but I, like, want to use, like, ceremony. People don't <laughs> talk about how funny it would be to just, like, get two people to, like, cast ceremony on them and then, like, they get a benefit, like, when they're together. And there's also, like, you can just, like, bless water and make it holy water just out of nowhere with that spell. Um, I didn't realize that till like, last session and, like, I made a joke because one of our characters is a water genasi. Um... Mm-hmm paladin so you know it's it a little funny um but yeah no uh it's using spells like that it just it just makes it more fun it does and uh, you know like rewarding your players for being creative is is a lot of fun yes! too yes oh I mean, my gosh i also think it's there is something to be said of having things already sort of written down beforehand like this is mm-hmm. the way to, to to beat this but being open to like thinking outside the box like would something i didn't consider be able to do something to this even though I didn't write yeah. it down, you know, like sometimes exactly. it's important to, you know, those be unplanned able to moments be can just be like accidentally sometimes the most iconic things of an entire game, depending on what happens, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it seems like we're reaching past uh, an hour and a half here. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a really fun conversation. We talked about a lot That's of different been. things. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Can you tell our audience where they can find you? Yes. So you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and also TikTok. But I don't really post much actual relevant D&D stuff there. Um, but if you you can just, just search Tori Draws stuff and my stuff should show up. Hell yeah. That's where that's where you could find me. And also, if you want, you can look up uh, Viola Rune to find that EP yes. I made. <laughs> Go check out Viola Rune. That's that's on Apple Music, Spotify, and other streaming services. It's on a whole bunch that's of them. That's super so. duper cool. Please go check that out. Uh, go check out Tori Draw stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Tori, for being on. No problem. Thank you for having me.